I am so just excited to be here with you today. We are in like the beginning stages of a series, but it's a different series than I've ever done before. It is called Extraordinary. Ordinary people and extraordinary things. You might look at your life and your talent and your ability and be like, there ain't nothing special about me. (laughs) Oh, you are a candidate for God to use because God uses ordinary people. And when we surrender to him, we see him in and through us accomplish extraordinary things. And we are in the book of Acts. We're going back to Acts. We're here in Acts chapter 3 beginning in verse 11. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us If by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk, (laughs) it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one, and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God. Oh, someone, you you need to underline that in your Bible right now. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made completely strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that the Messiah must suffer. Repent then and turn to God. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing, anyone ready for times of refreshing, may come from the Lord. I wanna give you my title right now. And if you're sitting next to someone, please don't look at them and say the title. (laughs) You, you, You can write it down, you can say it to yourself, but it might be a little inappropriate if you say it to someone else. Here's what I'm talking about today. Here's what we're discussing. That's a big but. If you're taking notes, write that down. That's a big but. Right here, we we join Peter and, and John. And it's at this moment, if you remember, that that they were headed to the temple at the time of prayer and they came across a man who who was down, a man who was lame, who was there begging for money. (laughs) They told him, silver or gold, we don't have. (laughs) Do do you feel like that in life right now? What's being asked of you, I I don't have it. (laughs) You may not have 
what's being asked of you, but you have what you need. <laughs> they said, but here's what we do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And this man who had never walked, got up and he began to just dance and praise God. He was enthusiastically worshiping God. I wonder if my worship, I wonder if your worship is that passionate. <laughs> Sometimes I, I find that my worship isn't passionate, it's actually pathetic. <laughs> it becomes pathetic when, when I just become focused on on what I want from God and not what he's already done in my life and who he is. I need to remember that there were times I was on the ground begging. I might not have been lame physically, but, but I was on the ground maybe emotionally in other areas. Sometimes you, we need to remember you might have been on the ground for all those years in that, in that addiction, but now you're becoming all that God has called you to become. And so here is this individual, and he now can walk, but we find him holding on to Peter and John. Why is he holding on to Peter and John? I, I wonder if he's like, okay, now that I can walk, I don't know where to go. <laughs> he spent his whole life on the ground begging, and he he doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know he doesn't know what to do. That's how so many people are after they accept Jesus into their life as Lord and Savior. They're like, I, I've been forgiven but I don't know how to forgive those who've hurt me. <laughs> I, I now, I, I've gotten cleaned up and I'm no longer trapped in that addiction, but I don't know how to study the Bible. I, 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 I know what it was like to have all those unhealthy relationships, but, but I don't know how it is to help nurture healthy relationships. And so he is holding on to Peter and John. Who you hold on to makes a big difference. There's people who just want to control you. We don't want to hold on to people who want to control us. We want to hold on to people who want to contribute. Not, not holding on to people who, who want to push you down, but hold on to people who want to lift you up. <laughs> I remember when, when I was in high school, I brought one of my friends to church and it was in the middle of the church gathering. He just got up and walked out. I was like, Chris, what are you doing? After he got back, and he's like, I'll tell you after. And after church, he, we were talking, and I'm like, why'd you leave? He says, well, I, I don't know what it was, but, but I just felt wrong. I was like, why'd you feel wrong? He says, well, I, I had some drugs. I, I had a bag of speed in my pocket and I, it just felt wrong. So, so I went out and I threw it in the trash and I came back in. I, I, wanna, I wanna grow into what God has called me to be and accomplish what he's called me to accomplish, but, but I don't know how and, and that was the first step. And it was a season of, of Chris holding on to me while, while I was showing him how to hold on to God. It, it, it's who we allow 
to hold on to us, not just who we hold on to, but sometimes people want to hold on to us and they just want to drag us down to their level. Those aren't the people that that we want to allow hold on to us. It's, it's people who want to elevate their lives and become everything God has destined them to become. It, there's seasons in life where, where we need to hold on to other people while we learn what it is to hold on to God. And there's seasons that, that we need to let other people hold on to us while we help show them what it is to hold on to God. And it's at this moment that the people were blown away all around the, the people. They were astonished and they came running. They were not walking, they came running. <laughs> if I'm ever running, I'm being chased. When I was little, I remember walking down the street with, with my squirt gun because it was in the summertime and, and we, it was hot and we were having a skirt, squirt gun uh, just fight with friends and and, and and so I was just squirting it and I squirted it onto a driveway nearby and there was a dog who must have thought I was marking his territory. It was a big German shepherd. And I remember being a little kid, this dog started chasing me and I started running. Fortunately, the owner called it off and I remember just being like freaked out and afraid, but I don't like to run. But but here the, the people are running because something is happening. There's times in life where, where we're running after people, trying to tell them about how good God is and what God wants to do in their life. And then there's other seasons where people are running to us because they just wanna know what God is doing. There's times we're trying to chase people down and there's other seasons that, that people are chasing us down. They weren't running because of anything that was said. They, they were running because of what they saw. People are, are not going to run to church just because of an impressive facility. They're not going to run to find out more about God because of smoke machines and, and moving lights. You know what attracts people? When they see what God did in your life. When they see like, whoa, your marriage looked like it was over. And now I, I, I look at your marriage and it's I want my marriage to be like that. People look at your life and they're like, wait, you were addicted for, for over a decade? And now look at your life? You, you're not just off that addiction and clean, but, but you're thriving. People look at your life and they say, you couldn't even get a job. You were miserable. And now you have a career. And not just are you successful in that career, but, but there's a passion to your to you. There, there's an excitement. People are, are drawn to that. And if people run to us, <laughs> don't bask in that attention. We want to point them to God. It's not about us. We can't save people. We can't deliver people. We can't heal people. Only Jesus can. You see, it's not about our popularity, it's about our purpose. And we live in a culture that is obsessed with popularity. We live in a culture that is obsessed with, with how many likes and, and how many followers. And, and too often people just revel in, revel in that, that attention. 
We need to not revel in the spotlight. We need to direct it. <laughs> I think about it this way, that, that if people are coming to us and, and too many people want their day in the, in the spotlight and, and, and they just want the light to shine on them. They want to walk the red carpet at, at the events and, and they want to hear their name called <laughs> when the award is given out. But, but as followers of Jesus, it's not about the light shining on us. It's about, it's about living as a mirror where, where, where when people want to shine the light on us, we, we just take it and we just, we just want to reflect it on how good God is and reflect it on how God saved us and reflect it on how it was God who delivered us. Don't delight in attention. Direct it. Oh, I know that's not how culture is, but being a Christian is different. <laughs> that's, that's a big but is what we're talking about today. So it's at this moment Peter speaks up. Now, now Peter is speaking, but John is silent. I think it's important that we don't talk over each other. A divided world needs a united church. It's important that, that we understand our strengths and weaknesses, that we can actually work together. We need people who are different. It's great to have some people that are younger, and it's great to have some people that are closer to seeing Jesus up in heaven. It's great to have some people from different backgrounds and, and different ethnicities and, and different strengths. Some people who, who grew up in church and other people who like, this whole thing is new to me. People who are like, I, I can serve in the kids area and other people who are like, I, I can serve in parking. I, I remember when I was in college and in, we were having a, an amazing time of worship and at that time I, I played guitar and because I played guitar I could play a little bit of bass when, so I could play guitar during worship and wasn't very good but at least I knew most of the worship songs at the time had like three chords uh, or I could jump and play a, a little bass but our drummer didn't show up for one night and so I tried to jump on drums and I was like I'll try it and it was like do 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 like it was, I was horrible. It was the worst night of worship ever. Like, I am glad that the next week our drummer was back. You see, we need people where it's like, you're good at this. And then other people, it's like, but you're good at that. Where we can actually compliment one another. We live in a world where we're, where we're competing and it's not about competing, it's about complimenting one another that we are truly better together. When we're, when we're in competition, it ends up becoming a conflict and our world needs less conflicts today. And Peter speaks up because he saw an opportunity. It's important that we realize timing is everything. You can do the right thing at the wrong time and it doesn't work out. Had Peter spoken up earlier, the people wouldn't have been there ready to listen. Had he waited longer to speak up, 
The people might have have lost interest and and moved on. Timing is everything. And I wonder how many missed opportunities we've had in the past. And we can't do anything about that. But I don't want you to miss the opportunities that are before you right now. You must see an opportunity to seize an opportunity. And you might be like, yeah, so many missed opportunities, so many, but get ready because that's a big but. There is an opportunity right now for so many of us. And Peter speaks up, and I love how he starts, fellow Israelites. Do you remember when politicians would actually say fellow Americans back before everything was so divisive? Opening words are powerful. In fact, I would say it this way. First words are lasting words. What someone says to open up can can either draw you in or can push you away. How do you communicate? How do I communicate? Do do we use language that that includes people and draws them in? or, Or do we use language that that is talking down to people. Some parents, the way they talk to their kids, it's like they're talking down. Some, some pastors, the way they talk, it's, it's alienating and, and, and talking down to people. Some, some politicians, the way that they talk, it's, it's alienating and it's, it's talking down to people. What if we make up in our minds and we learn from Peter that we can actually connect with people? It's important to remember, no matter who we're talking to, that there's someone that Jesus died for. I wonder if it's in this moment Peter is remembering the fact that, that he had failed, that he denied knowing Jesus not one time, not two times, three times. Uh, sometimes people are like, you know, forget about it. Don't remember your past. It, it's in the past, but... But I think, it's, I think it's healthy at times to remember how we have failed. It helps keep us humble. Just yesterday, I was talking with one of the amazing individuals in our community. I was talking with him. His name's Joey, and he, he was just pointing out to me some of his tats. And it, it reminded him of, of his life over 20 years ago. And it wasn't just like he's all tatted up, but, but those tattoos had meaning and they actually represented a a lot of the worst decisions he ever made and a lot of the mistakes he made and a lot of the times he he disappointed people and not just disappointed but but he actually hurt other people and rather than them him just getting stuck in that it it helped remind him and I, I think we need to be reminded that that we've received forgiveness and we need to give that forgiveness that we've received grace, and we need to to give grace, both in our actions and in our words. You see, our words can build a wall, or they can build a bridge. Let's be people that our words help build a bridge for other people. And, And Peter's building a bridge, and he says, why are you so surprised? 
wonder, like, why are you surprised that God healed his body? I wonder, why are we surprised that, that God restores marriages? Why are we surprised that God provides during crazy economic times and during inflation? <laughs> when Jesus walked this earth, he, you remember he healed the woman with the issue of blood. He, he healed blind Bartimaeus. He, he healed the daughter of Jairus. I could go on and on and on. And Jesus would heal, and not just heal, but, but Jesus responded oftentimes with questions. Maybe that's where, where Peter learned this from, <laughs> asking a question. I wonder too often if we're so busy bringing answers, we're bringing answers to people, and it might be truth, but we're answering questions nobody is asking. Sometimes the most powerful thing that can come out of your mouth is not a statement, but it's a, it's a question. He's like, why are you so surprised? And then he has a second question, and why are you staring at us? Why, why are you staring? Are you a people watcher? Sometimes I have to remind Lindsay because we'll be out to eat or hanging out and she's just staring at people. I'll be like, Lindsay, don't, 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 don't stare. It's kind of getting, it's kind of getting awkward. And, and yet we live in a world where we want people to stare at us. Our culture, we want, because people want to be stars. But, but the Jesus style, it's not about being a star. It's about being a servant. It's not about living like Tupac, all eyes on me, because if we bask in praise, we'll get buried in criticism. And so Peter says, he says, it's, it's why he's turning at us. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. I love this. He, he doesn't say it's, it's John and I, it's, it's our God. No, he, he gives a connection to the past. He understands the, the audience, the people he is speaking to, and he is honoring the past. He is speaking to the foundation. He says it has glorified. To, to glorify is to give honor and praise. What do you glorify? We live in a world that, that glorifies celebrities we live in a world that, that glorifies how people look, <laughs> or, or at least the filters that make them look that way <laughs> in the moment. We glorify our hobbies, maybe football, <laughs> maybe, maybe glorifying athletes. He says, has glorified his servant Jesus. It does not even refer to him here as his son, but his servant reminding us that that Jesus came not to be served but to serve the greatest of all is not the star but it's the the servant of all uh, earthly kings at that time had servants but our heavenly king king came as a servant life isn't about what we get life is about what we give. Peter tells him, you, 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 you handed him over. You disowned him. You ever had anyone to family, maybe parents disown you? He, he says, you, you chose a murderer. You had an option. 
Who do you want? You want the Messiah or do you want the murderer? You want Jesus or you want no? They, you chose a murderer. You killed the author of life. You, you killed Jesus. Do you ever look at this situation and be like, why would people choose that? Why would they choose a murderer over the Messiah? ever look at your life and you're like, wait, why do they suddenly hate me and now they're helping them? Why, 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 why did they betray me? And now they're, they're bonding with them in so many of our lives. It's, it's you, it was them. They did this to me. They, they, they killed Jesus. Maybe you're like, yeah, they, it was them. They, they fired me. They, 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 they abused me. They betrayed me. I don't know about you, but so many of us, we, we have our stories about how we've been hurt by people, about how life it maybe seems unfair and, and how we were given our best, and, and yet people did their worst. <laughs> but Peter's not done. The story isn't over. I got an announcement for you. Your story isn't over. In fact, right here, I love it. As we're reading this, in this translation, there's a comma. I remember in English, my my freshman year in college, the English teacher loved commas. It was so different than many other English teachers I had. Wanted a comma everywhere. I was like, I'm sick of putting commas in sentences. Whether you write with a lot of commas or a few commas, whenever you see a comma, it means it's not over. Because after this comma, it says, you did this, but God. Someone, that's a big but. (laughs) They killed Jesus, the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Is that anyone's story today? You might have grown up with the most horrific abuse, and you should just be someone who doesn't have a bright future. but God put you onto the pathway of healing and restoration. Your marriage was in pieces. It seemed over, but God restored that marriage and there is now health and wholeness. The doctor said, it's over. You only have a few weeks to live, but God healed your body. But God Those two words change everything. Don't worry, I won't go surmix a lot on you, but I like big butts here. But God, what God has done and is doing in your life is far greater than what anyone else has done or will ever do to you. Paul says we are witnesses of this. I want to say, can I get a witness? Can someone please take the stand? Think in our culture right now, it's like living on the witness stand, showing that that it takes faith in Jesus. What accomplishes this? Not, not, Not faith in our own ability, not faith in how much we have saved up, not faith in, in the government. It is 
It's faith in Jesus that heals. It is faith in Jesus that restores. We are a Jesus church. We gather under one name, and that name is above every name, the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess. It is Jesus. Peter says, it's by, but hey, you acted in ignorance. <laughs> There's a difference between acting in ignorance and being informed. He says, it was ignorance that led to that decision, both you and, and your and your leaders. I wonder in our culture today that that doesn't like debate, (laughs) that maybe we need to debate it. If we're gonna be informed, let's get to the truth. I get that, that people don't wanna discover. It's like, no, 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 just take this as as truth, but, but let's debate it. Let's discover what is truth. And yet, even when we discover, you can be intelligent and educated and still act in ignorance. You know, smart people can still do stupid things, and yet even when we get it wrong, God can still work it right. Peter says, repent. <laughs> Repentance is a change of mind, which, which, which leads to a change of action. He says, your sins will be wiped out. Don't live captive. To that addiction. Don't live captive to that sin. Don't live captive to that destructive behavior. Don't live your life captive to those tormenting thoughts. If we can just turn to, turn to Jesus. You don't need to keep turning to the bottle. You don't need to keep turning to your ex-boyfriend. You don't need to keep turning to that destructive habit. What if we turn to Jesus. (laughs) Who we turn to determines how it turns out. And if life's not turning out well for you right now, I say, let's turn to Jesus. Are you restless? Are you maybe exhausted, frustrated? Well, when you turn to Jesus, you can experience times of refreshing. Anyone ready to be refreshed, <laughs> ready after exhausting times, annoying times, to say it's, it's time to, to be refreshed. That's what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't just numb the pain, Jesus heals the pain. That, that, that behavior, that addiction might, might, temporary num- it might temporarily numb the pain, but, but Jesus can fully heal it. <laughs> Get ready to be refreshed. More, more refreshing than just a good night's sleep. More refreshing than, than, a, than a two-week vacation. It's what Jesus can bring to you right now. You, you can be like, a life was restless <laughs> for too long. But God turned my life and I experienced times of refreshing. That's a big but. (laughs) No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've experienced, you might say, yeah, uh, they, they, they hurt me deeply, but God can heal you. You might be like, yeah, I, I was let go. I don't have any job opportunities, but God can put you onto the pathway, not just of a successful career, but of a fulfilling life, but God. 